What's wrong with the network? Uh, before you can answer that question, you have to ask which network? The campus, a branch WAN link, or maybe it's an end user working from home trying to access an app in your data center. All these networks need to be instrumented and monitored so that network engineers can identify and fix problems, or as is often the case, be able to clearly demonstrate that the problem resides elsewhere, like a user's laptop or somewhere in the tangled bowels of a SaaS application. On today's Heavy Networking, we have a conversation about monitoring visibility and observability with sponsor Palo Alto Networks. More specifically, we dig into Palo Alto Networks' autonomous digital experience management, or ADEM product, and how Palo Alto Networks is integrating ADEM with AI ops. And yes, I can imagine lots of eyes rolling because AI ops is so buzzwordy, but we're going to push Palo Alto Networks a bit to see if there's something more to this AI story than just buzzword compliance. Our guest is Dinesh Ranjit. He is product line manager at Palo Alto Networks. Uh, Dinesh, welcome to the podcast. I think our listeners have a pretty good sense of the problem space, lots of different networks to manage, a new emphasis from the business on not just connectivity, but performance, and ever more volumes of data to sift through to actually get something actionable. Is there anything that I've missed that you're seeing or hearing with enterprise customers? So uh, actually, I just want to kind of highlight on uh, two big trends that we are seeing that we all are aware of, but I want to kind of reemphasize. One, uh, we are seeing a lot of our customers accelerating adoption of hybrid clouds for their applications. What we mean by that is they are going to adopt SaaS applications, mm-hmm. move some of their private apps into uh, IaaS, like public clouds, and they continue to also have on-prem uh, for their legacy applications. The second big trend, users are going to stay hybrid. They're going to work remotely or from a branch office. And when we talk about remote work, it's not necessarily just from their home. They're on the move. Uh, some of the users work from a coffee shop or they are you know, uh, out for travel and from airports and whatnot, right? So these two trends challenge to IT because now they have blind spots when a user is ac- accessing an application and how do they get visibility into this delivery path from a user to app, right? Um, so that's the first part. But now put all of this together when we talk about monitoring a user accessing an application and this uh, multitude of environments. Um, IT is challenged with complexity of detecting a problem if a user complains. When the application performance is poor, they do not have connectivity. And the volume of data that they need to manage and troubleshoot to find where the problem is uh, can really slow IT down. Imagine different tools when we talk about uh, hybrid deployments, like, you know, you have a different tool managing your branch office, different tool for your VPN uh, agents sitting on the user's endpoint or monitoring your applications. All of these means silo tools, multiple dashboards. Um, you have to train your IT teams to kind of work with these different tools, et cetera, just adding more complexity and challenges. Yeah, I think another issue is that because users are so mobile, one day a user could be complaining because they're on a home network and performance is bad, and the next day they could be in the office and sending a complaint, and you're like, but wait, where that that context about where the user actually is also makes a difference. Absolutely. And you're already touching on some of those uh, uh, challenges in, in the next level, which is how do I be able to differentiate the data based on the user's context, like you said, right? And all of this, that means if a user is complaining, lost productivity for the user, uh, impacts business. Meantime, to resolve is harder for IT. You, you, so sometimes we even have interactions where the IT resources are constrained, which means frustrated IT personnel because now they have more to do with less, right? So those are some of the trends that we are seeing where now CIOs and IT leaders are looking for newer solutions, newer ways to be able to operationalize in this environment. So yeah, I think that's pretty clear. I guess my first question is, you know, when I think of Palo Alto Networks, or most people think of Palo Alto Networks, I think firewalls or security. Why is a security company getting into a digital experience management? <laughs> Interesting question, Drew, because uh, 
well, Palo Alto started off with being a, a next-gen firewall company. Then, as you know, uh, right now we are the most complete SASE solution out there in the industry. Uh, what I mean by that is uh, whether the user is working from home, we have our global protect solution. You go into a branch office, we have our Prisma SD-WAN. What we realized is we are best-in-breed offering SASE with our best-in-breed security services, cloud-delivered security services like advanced threat prevention, advanced URL filtering, um, wildfire, et cetera, you name it. What we realized is we now wanted to make sure it's holistic where we enable also the IT side of the house on the customer side to be able to manage the solution, provide the best user experience they could for their customers, right? So that's the first reason why we decided that this is very critical and goes hand in hand with our um, SASE offering. Mm-hmm. So with that, 18 months ago, we launched our SASE native digital experience monitoring solution to enable, uh, like I said, exceptional user experiences for users anywhere accessing applications anywhere, right? Um, and the solution was called Autonomous Digital Experience Management or ADEM. Well, ADEM then, the key problem we wanted to solve was IT had blind spots. They couldn't tell when a user was accessing an application, how the user's side of the network, when I talk about that, it's their endpoint device or their home network um, or the health of an application itself because the app is now a SaaS app um, or, or an application hosted in the public cloud, et cetera. So our aim was first, how can we enable IT to have full visibility, um, remove those blind spots, when we talk about um, uh, digital experience management, right? But then soon we learned that even with all of that, uh, when we were working with our customers, we saw that IT was still challenged. They were reactive, manually troubleshooting instead of being proactive. And that's where uh, the emergence of AI ops, right? Where we wanted to automate and streamline complex ID operations so that they can keep up with the new business challenges, right? All of this, keeping in mind always that IT is a cost center, we want to enable them and reduce their total cost of operations. So, so Dinesh, I want to read some of that back to you. So the question was, we, we think of Palo Alto Networks, we tend to think of firewalls first in the industry. So why are you getting to digital experience monitoring? Okay, you're getting in that direction because you have visibility because of the SASE product. That is... It's more than just there's traffic flowing through firewalls you have insights into. With the SASE solution, you're now getting into WAN, branch, uh, the user endpoints. You have visibility into a lot more traffic and what's going on in the network. So that gives you a data that you can work with to get some insights and help IT troubleshoot problems. That's one thing. And now you're saying you're taking that data because you've got all these points of visibility and then adding AI ops on top of it. Am I reading that back to you right, Dinesh? That is absolutely uh, right, Drew. You, you made a great point about our points of presence. Uh, with our Global Protect agent, we are on every end user's laptop with all of the traffic being secured by Palo Alto, whether it's a on-prem physical firewall, whether it's our SASE or cloud-delivered security services, our Prisma Access, which is our SSC solution, and with SD-WAN, which is sitting in all of the branch offices, we are able to gather so much telemetry, whether it's network, user and device, and security. What we were missing was the health and performance of an application, which is where our DEM solution added additional kind of a telemetry gathering some of those spots as well. Got it. Okay. So the digital experience management part lets you get basically close to the user endpoint or on the user endpoint, because I presume there's an agent there. Um, so 
today, if you if if you see, there is no new agent for our customers um, when we talk about uh, them. Meaning, we are natively embedded in our existing solutions. So first, customers already have a what I call as a remote uh, workforce agent or our global product agents sitting on their end user devices. We augmented that agent to be able to uh, collect additional telemetry. Right. So yes, there is an agent. It's present on every user's endpoint device, but it's not a new agent. You're a global product or a remote VPN use case of Palo Alto. We are there already then enabling that agent to gather more telemetry from the endpoint device. Okay, so right. if I've already rolled out Global Protect, then you're updating it so I'm also getting the, the digital experience management capabilities. That is correct. So the second part was, as our Prisma Access solution is in 130 plus edge locations today in the cloud globally, we have distributed cloud probes or cloud agents, if you would, right? And we use those as our another vantage point to be able to measure application performance, right? And lastly, uh, our Prisma SD-WAN solution, our branch devices, they also have the agent natively embedded in them. So net, no net new hardware or software. It's it's there in all our points of presence, wherever Prisma Apollo Alto Network products are, specifically on the Prisma SASE side. Okay. So the question then, Dinesh, is what all data is being gathered? What can you see uh, from that endpoint perspective? So let's pause and see when we talk about a user accessing an application, everything in that path is what we want to have visibility into. So endpoints, when we talk about endpoint telemetry, uh, this is user's laptop, right? It could be a MacBook, a Windows machine, or even a Linux device. We, like I said, our global product agent sits there, embedded with it now. We are able to gather telemetry such as your device CPU. Is it running hot? Or your memory, device memory, is it, is it you know, low on memory? We also measure Wi-Fi radio signal strength, for example, to understand is the user sitting close to an access point uh, or a Wi-Fi device, or is it she or he far away from it? Uh, we also look at TX, RX of that Wi-Fi device, et cetera. Right? So that's the first piece where I'm able to measure the health and performance of your device and the Wi-Fi connectivity from that device. This part is actually like critical to think about because that's usually the missing piece when it comes to uh, instrumentation that a network engineer has. You know, they can monitor a WAN link, they can monitor the campus, but that endpoint uh, is typically sort of the, the black box. But now having an agent there, you can actually see like, hey, you know, it looks like you're far away from that, that Wi-Fi access point. Where are you? And they're like, well, I'm on in my backyard working, you know, in a lawn chair. And it's like, well, maybe you should move a little closer if you're going to be on that Zoom call. That is absolutely uh, right. And in fact, I, I have to tell you this, uh, when we all were down uh, during the pandemic working from home, uh, some of us, like including me, I was working out of my garage. <laughs> and uh, literally, I would have uh, trouble on some of my uh, Zoom meetings. Uh, uh, the call quality would be choppy, et cetera. Mm -hmm. and, and a tool like this would be able to tell you. And, and it's very interesting because I had um, one of those Wi-Fi mesh devices in my home. So I did have a very good signal strength from my laptop because the mesh device was right next to me. But that does not mean you're going to get the best call quality. Right? Mm -hmm. So tools like this would be able to help uh, an IT admin or an IT operator understand where the problem is because I could keep calling IT all day and complain that, you know, my uh, Zoom is really crappy when I'm on a meeting or I'm trying to do uh, some of my work and the application is really slow. But now with this telemetry, IT admin can, you know, throw it right back at me saying that, uh, Dinesh, this is where the problem is. And, and though this is what uh, we are reading as a telemetry coming out of your device and what we are measuring, 
So then to add from the device endpoint, we move to the next segments, which is your uh, home network kind of LAN, if you would, your wireless router or, or, or cable modem, if you would, to determine congestion through that. So we measure telemetry coming out of that device from like packet loss, jitter latency. And then we measure a latency packet loss jitter hop by hop with your internet service provider, kind of the uh, connectivity that you have with your ISP. All of this, all the way to the application. So think of, we are measuring performance from your end user device all the way to the apps and which apps is decided by the IT admin. Uh, whether you want to measure uh, 10 of your business critical applications or you know you want to measure 50 of them, uh, it's up to you. But we'll be able to gather all of the telemetry along the way. So Dinesh, you must be doing testing from the agent is my guess, because you're not like pulling the router that's uh, in that person's house. You wouldn't have access to that. So you got to be initiating tests. Am I right? That's correct. So when we talk about application, user to application monitoring, the IT admin or, or the network admin decides what applications are critical, what would they want to measure the user to app performance, if you would, right? And then let's talk about first the end user uh, agent, right? Embedded within our global protect. It will start a synthetic test. Again, you would decide as a network admin, whether you want to do this every five minutes, every one minute, et cetera. We start synthetic traffic, which is exactly like your real user traffic towards these applications to measure the performance of the application. And we talk about application performance. It's like HTTP latency, SSL latency, assuming it's a web app or time to first TCP packet, last TCP packet, et cetera. In addition to that, we would also measure the underlay metrics, which is your network path performance, right? You know, we would understand the latency, jitter and packet loss through each of this. And to your point, like you said, we do not have access to the home router, but I'm generating this synthetic traffic to measure the network path hop by hop. And I'd be able to baseline or gather telemetry to tell is the router latency always been around 90 milliseconds. And I'm continuing to see that. And I don't see any packet loss going through the router. Yeah, there's enough information that you're gathering so that you can infer where is the loss happening? Where is my performance uh, poor point in the chain? Is it right there at the user's home or is it down the link somewhere uh, along in the ISP thread between that user and the application? And then the IT folks now have enough information to kind of know if the user's calling in with a problem, what the problem is and whether they can do something about it or not. Exactly. And can you get any visibility into actual application performance if I'm, you know, reaching out to an on-prem app uh, hosted in the corporate data center or a cloud app to decide, yeah, it's not the network, it's, you know, slow response time from the application or even some internal issue with the application? How, how deep into the application stack can you get to see where the actual performance problem is? So the dem space, again, uh, I want to be very uh, specific about its user to application monitoring, mm -hmm. where we want to measure the performance of hitting the front door of the app, which is uh, if it is a web app, for example, I'm measuring, uh, like I talked about some of these metrics as HTTP latency and SSL latencies, et cetera, hitting that web server of the application. Mm -hmm. Now, um, within the app, imagine it's a microservices app, the web server is going to talk to a database server or a storage server. I'm not measuring those interactions. Got it. Right? Yep. So, so it is from the user to the app to be able to tell if hitting that front door itself is degraded, then I can point to um, parts in the network reaching to the app, or is it the front door itself which is slow? Right. And, and that gets back to this notion of mean time to innocence that you, you have metrics to say, look, here's all the performance from the endpoint across the ISP links, across the WAN, 
to the front door. Everything's fine here. It's got to be a problem somewhere else. Uh, and then that gets handed off somewhere else, except from the network engineering folks. Absolutely right, uh, Drew. Yep. So now you mentioned, so you've got the endpoint agent, but you've also integrated digital experience management with the SASE offering. Can you talk about how that works? So let's understand some other challenges when we talk about DEM uh, and why integration or native embedment, embedding with the SASE offering is critical, which is first and foremost, we realized user to application monitoring is not enough. And there were still certain blind spots, such as I'll explain, when I'm going to access a private app, I am also going to resolve the FQDN or the fully qualified domain name, the URL to an IP address, mm -hmm. going to a private DNS server. Right now, that private DNS server is sitting within my data center. And how am I monitoring the connectivity and performance of that DNS server, for example? Or even to connect and access a private app, I need to authenticate. And how am I measuring the performance of that auth server? So what we did with the native integration is, now I'll, I'll walk you through an example of how our Prisma access solution works, is the user agent sitting uh, on the laptop is first going to go authenticate with a cloud-delivered uh, auth server, cloud-delivered portal, which then talks to your auth server, authenticate, form a tunnel to one of our gateways sitting in the cloud, which is going to do all of the security enforcement. And then you're going to go to the data center for access, mm -hmm. right? Now we have the configuration of how to reach your auth server, how to reach this private DNS server, because all of the con all of the traffic is flowing through our cloud security processing node. And I'm I can now automate monitoring of these critical services as well. Right? That's where the native integration is powerful because for me to be able to make sure a user can access the application, I need to be able to monitoring just more than the application even the path towards the DNS server, the path towards the auth server, et cetera. So without any honest on the customer, the end user, we are able to parse this configuration, start the test to these services. And when we talk about tests, these are again, synthetic tests, measuring network path performance and, and, and so on mm. to be able to now bring all of that data together, right? So that's why the native integration with uh, SASE is, is, is even more beneficial. Okay, so you're saying, say I've got an end user who's hitting one of your SASE pops in California, but my application actually physically resides in Virginia. You can measure and you can run synthetic tests from that pop uh, to where my application actually lives to get uh, an idea into performance that way as well. That and like I said, even before you reach the app, you're hitting a DNS or even before that you need to authenticate to connect. I'm measuring even performance to the auth server, to the DNS server, like you said, which also could be in far off locations, mm -hmm. not necessarily in the same pop you're hitting. Okay. Right. And I can run synthetic tests from pops to applications as, or even to my authentication setup as, as I, as, as needed as, as I'd like to. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you get to toggle, you get to choose, but we would be able to automate these. And then of course you as a network admin would be able to control further saying, do you want to continue these tests, change the parameters of the test, et cetera, uh -huh. as well. Dinesh, we've talked about tons of data and of course, uh, AI comes up. The world is very much aware of what AI can do in the large language model construct. Uh, I don't know that that's what we're talking about when we talk about AI ops, just so that we can disambiguate between what ChatGPT is doing for us and we're having a conversation with the AI and what AIOps is doing for us in the ADEM context. Can you describe how AIOps works with ADEM? Absolutely. 
Actually, it's very interesting. Uh, you bring in the large language model and, and then the promise uh, it holds. I think the large language model is really interesting in the kinds of problems it can solve. And I think we are just scratching the surface. We are learning. But I want to kind of first take us back into the journey of where uh, Palo Alto Networks has been from the use of AI or machine learning uh, perspective. It's, it, it goes 10 years back when we started using AI and ML to be able to detect new attacks or the application being detecting new ways of how an attacker would you know, kind of uh, infiltrate. And, and in the use of AI, ML started there for us, right? And then the next use case was the way I call it is large graph models, LGMs. We mm-hmm. use that to be able to proactively detect anomalies with, within the network, right? So AI for us has been around in Palo Alto for a while. And we have been delivering outcomes both on the security front for a while. Now, where we are with use of AI ML is delivering outcomes with network front or a digital experience monitoring front, right? Now, LLM can take us further and and there is work and uh, understanding and research happening, but that is not what we are talking about, like you said. That is something maybe in the future we will have a conversation about in the near future, but more importantly about the use of AI ops is how am I using existing AIML techniques to deliver outcomes for the IT operations team? Automate some of the complex things that they do day to day. And I can talk about a simple example that we, we were just hovering uh, talking about. Mm-hmm. Endpoint CPU has a problem. The CPU is high. Or uh, like you said, the home Wi-Fi uh, is congested or the ISP hops are congested or the app latencies are higher. Now, when you measure these, how do you correlate this data. First of all, how do you know what data is uh, anomalous or normal, right? How do you even find those patterns? So we started using machine learning techniques to first um, baseline some of this data. And we're talking about large sets of data here, right? Um, right. Like, like we already kind of established that. Too many points of um, uh, interesting points in the path that we are gathering telemetry from. First, I need to be able to baseline the data to tell what is normal, right? And it is very hard because my CPU at 90%, I'm talking about my MacBook CPU at 90%, mm-hmm. um, maybe I'm having no problems while another user even at 75% is having some trouble accessing an application, right? So how do you differentiate that? And the use of machine learning to baseline this data and it's never just baseline, okay, you can find, okay, CPU is always at 75 um, uh, for, 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 you know, user A versus it's 90 for user B, but none of them complain. And how do you say what is anomalous for each of them and correlate that anomaly with actual application performance because you want to avoid false positives. And I use the word correlation here. And, and I want to pause for a minute and say, how do you find relations between these telemetry? They are discrete data sets. Right. Uh, gathering telemetry from endpoint is very different than gathering telemetry from a van hop and from an application latency perspective, right? Um, So the use of AI is today, uh, ITs are functioning, but you have really subject matter experts. The intelligence sits with uh, human operators. They are looking through, uh, uh, you know, tons of data, manually correlating, switching between dashboards to be able to deliver these outcomes. And they are able to deliver these outcomes, but it is extremely time consuming. um, And they are not able to, provide exceptional user experience and reduce the amount of time that they have a a productivity issue, like uh, impacting a user. 
Right. Yeah, Dinesh, you're, you're describing much of how I spent time troubleshooting like WAN performance problems and stuff. If I could get to the root of a problem, it's probably because I stood up the circuits and the routers myself and was really, really familiar with what was going on, kind of knew the application mix off the top of my head, and the network was small enough that I could keep it all in my head. As soon as you scale beyond or you're working with several people on the team, not all of whom were involved in the build process of the network, it gets quickly beyond you as a human to quickly troubleshoot the problem you it takes it's very time intensive to get to root cause yep exactly and also uh, just i i always love to say this um because i have been um, a per- person who built products where i also have to troubleshoot the product i built and i worked with customers extensively root causing is like peeling onions you have to peel <laughs> enough layers to be able to get to the actual problem and uh, and, and imagine if you had a system an intelligent system, a platform that could do it for you. Uh, and, and if not to the actual bottom most root cause, but even if it peeled enough layers for you. And I think I think every IT personnel out there would appreciate it. Yeah, because while you're peeling that onion, you're probably also crying. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So yeah. I got a, a qualification question then, Dinesh, as we talk about as we're peeling this onion, where is that onion getting peeled? Is the AI ML process happening locally or is this happening up in a Palo Alto Networks cloud somewhere? So for us, our AI ops, so let, let, the way I call it is uh, AI ops solution is a SaaS service. So all of the telemetry that we spoke about is getting uh, ingested into a single data lake for us hosted in the cloud. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, in that data lake, on top of that data, we run, uh, think of uh, baselining of that data to be able to detect anomalies. And once I have anomalies and imagine and, and every anomaly is an alert, let's say, right? I alert you about an anomalous behavior, then I'm correlating these alerts, right? I'm saying which ones are related, which ones aren't. And then the next layer is I do causation. So correlation, helps with isolating the problem from the symptoms. And then the causation says this problem is caused by what? And that is further deep analysis of, let's say, the logs, et cetera, to be able to find a configuration. And then we'll go through some examples as we go along. And then finally, provide remediation steps. So the whole AI ops engine, if you would, from, like I said, anomaly detection, correlation and causation to remediation is a cloud-hosted SaaS service for us uh, in Palo Alto Networks today. Does that mean if I am a customer participating in uh, this, that my data can be used as an, in an aggregate data set? So therefore, there are some global observations that could be made by Palo Alto Networks that might help me. Um, hey, we noticed from all these other customers that uh, thus and such a service provider is having a problem and that could affect you. Do, are there insights like that? Oh, absolutely. So now, um, we, now we are going to the next level of what AIML can uncover for us. So. First use of AI ML uh, within an organization's data set to be able to deliver uh, insights for them. But then how can we enrich that insights to say, is that a problem just for you? Or are we seeing a trend for a numerous number of uh, customers in that area, in that geolocation? Or a commonality could be the application, right? And all of this is, the way I call it is, anonymized data sets, right? across all our customers to look for patterns where there is commonality, such as a van circuit provider, right? An ISP or a SaaS app. Um, I actually go even a little bit further. Think about 
users on the same Mac OS version or a Windows OS version who are constantly seeing a high CPU, who are using GP, kind of find patterns if that new Mac OS version that IT rolled out is kind of causing a compatibility issue with something leading to high CPUs on the endpoint device. So uh, the universe is uh, unlimited here, like literally finding patterns across multiple customers. But the key is, like I said, I call it anonymized crowdsourced data to enrich what I'm finding within your organization, but give you that insight saying that it's not just you. We are seeing this pattern across so many other customers because that helps to figure out if it's the way you have deployed a service versus the problem is with the service itself. When I talk about service, it could be a problem with the app itself or problem with the van provider itself, et cetera. Right. So absolutely. So you're saying if I've got a bunch of uh, employees who sort of live in a, a similar geographic region and for some reason they're all having application issues and it, you, can you get down to the fact that it turns out there's an issue with the local ISP that a lot of these end users happen to be using. They're all using the same ISP. You can figure that out, that it's uh, the same ISP and then let other customers know who have employees in that region, hey, you might be running into some problems today because it looks like your ISP is having problems? Absolutely. So this is where I, it's called ticket deflection, if you would. Like how many end users would, literally, I'll, I'll take the example of Palo Alto IT right here. Uh, we have about 2,000 plus employees in, in our headquarters uh, located around uh, the headquarters, right? So in Santa Clara, Milpitas, San Jose, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And if there is a local ISP outage, right, truly, let's say as an example, I'm saying a couple of the major re regional ISPs here are Comcast and AT&T. Mm -hmm. We would not just look at the 2000 employees of Palo Alto's data measuring the ISP latency packet loss jitter. We are looking at other customers of Palo Alto within this region, the users who have the ADAM agent we are monitoring all of this. And again, all anonymized. I don't need to know that I'm measuring this from Dinesh. All I need to know is there is a user anonymized in this region, traffic going over one of these ISPs, and we do the pattern matching across the commonality. This ISP hop, and we do this hop by hop, by the way, because you want to really find out when we talk about ISPs, there are multiple hops involved before the traffic is handed over to another next ISP, if you would. Mm -hmm. um, and hop by hop to figure out actually which hop is introducing this additional packet late, uh, loss latency or jitter, right? We do that. Now, this insight is handed over to the customer's IT admins so that now they figure out a way to communicate to the users who are potentially impacted by this uh, localized ISP outage, right? So that now these users would not call their IT saying, some would call in complaining, I can't connect to the corporate VPN. Some would call in complaining, I'm connected, but I can't, the application is loading very slowly. But truly, IT can now deflect it. Proactively, I'm notifying my users saying, hey, there is an ISP outage that we are measuring. You may want to work with your ISP provider because truly IT cannot do anything about it. Yeah, so this is getting into the sort of the next question I was anticipating. Obviously, you know, having a system that can collect and correlate and sort data uh, and find actionable information for you is great when you're troubleshooting, but what about aiming for toward more preventative maintenance or getting ahead of the problem, you know, before it actually starts impacting performance? Can does AI ops help there? So I would say there are, there are two ways I look at it. One is uh, AI ops helps with being proactive. Uh, it looks for the first signal of degradation and highlights it to the IT so that they can take measures before it becomes a widespread impact. So. There, I want to say that it is preventative in the, in, the, in the notion of before it becomes widespread impact, IT can react quickly, proactively, so that they can solve it. And there are use cases where 
we could even predict problems and and truly i'd be very cautious first phase it's truly with capacity planning now which we believe strongly is a hard problem for many of the it admins there right mm-hmm. which is uh, how how do you know when you're going to run out of capacity and if you know that pretty traditionally what do they do they set threshold say 90% i have configured this particular circuit um, or connectivity to be at let's say 10 mbps as an example and when it reaches 9 mbps or some be a little more conservative when it reaches 7 and a half mbps 75% of the value notify me and i'll start planning capacity but is that the true way forward given the kind of scale we are talking about uh, the nature of how the applications the users work from where it's very hard to manage capacity and you would want a tool that can predict capacity issues a month in advance or maybe three months and and our ai ops solution today solves one of those use cases when we talk about branch capacity or a data center connectivity capacity we are able to predict a month in advance letting you know that you're going to be saturating capacity in one month you may want to start planning now and uh, the tools that we add augment is how much more capacity would you need and again all of this is based on uh, time series machine learning as an underlying technology but even within that we run uh, and i want to kind of double click on this because it's it's important machine learning at scale ml ops it's not a single algorithm machine learning algorithm that we would run we run hundreds of models to be able to find the best fit to be able to tell you that you will run out of capacity in one month with at least 95% confidence right now all of this makes it very important because that's when uh, network admins are able to actually act on it they do not want to act on false positives because here we are talking about augmenting capacity purchasing maybe additional bandwidth right. it could be rearchitecting your network so we take that very seriously when we when we talk about ml ml ops uh, all of this with a very high confidence just to summarize proactive in issues where we find the first signal of degradation and predictive or preventative uh, one use case that we are starting to scratch with is our capacity planning now is this you know this ai ops capability this troubleshooting this predictive analytics is that do i get this if i am licensing the adem product or is this an add on how is it delivered to me so sasi customers could get adem which we launched 18 months ago and that journey was to set out to provide holistic observability right now with the advent of ai ops we are launching uh, a new add on called ai powered adem again it includes both observability and ai ops so mm-hmm. short answer is if you're a customer who's just looking for full visibility right you you have our adem skew that gives you full observability or or telemetry from all parts of the network like we said uh, resolve all your blind spots but if you're looking for automation uh, correlations causation the whole ai um, end to end incident life cycle management and automation of that then you would get our ai powered adem which includes both the observability piece and the ai ops piece okay and if i'm interacting with um the adem and the ai ops capabilities uh do i have to sort of learn like a query language to to get information from it or can i do do you have any kind of like natural language processing capability so that i can just you know sort of using common language ask it questions uh how do i interface with this how do i query it So um I like to kind of answer this in two ways uh the way our AI powered ADM uh, solution works is for issues that we proactively detect and I'm talking about these are issues that impact large user base mm-hmm. systemic issues we talked about ISP outages that could impact potentially 2000 users within Palo Alto as mm-hmm. an example right yep. um for those we are not waiting for uh, IT operators or admins to query 
we would proactively deliver this um, to your uh, emails, to your uh, ITSM tools. For example, we have webhook interfaces to stream it to, uh, you know, whatever tools you use to manage incidents or, you know, kind of, uh, and we are also building native integrations with some of these ITSM tools like ServiceNow, right? So proactive detection, we would notify you. You're not coming here to query. So, you know, we make sure that you get your, we get your attention ASAP. But whenever we have a few users um, having problems, then there we said we need an easy way for all the way from service desk or help desk to the admins be able to interact with our solution in an easy natural language query interface, right? Now, I'm not calling it natural language processing, but we said a simple way to ask a question. And I'll give you an example where mm-hmm. uh, this morning, let's say I wake up and I'm trying to access Salesforce for, for me to be able to do my day-to-day job. Salesforce is a critical application and I'm not able to access. Um, if I file complain a ticket with my IT, um, the IT help desk staff today purely work off of uh, textual playbooks. Like they would go and, you know, like look at A, B, C, D. If they don't find the problem, then they'll simply escalate that ticket. Now, mm-hmm. instead, we want to enable the IT help desk or the service desk. They can simply come and ask a question on our uh, new interface, what we call as access analyzer, where we can say, hey, can user Dinesh access Salesforce? Now, this does actual multi-domain analysis. And what we mean by that is, we would go at the back end would actually do this. It would go look at Dinesh's endpoint data. Is Dinesh's endpoint health good and performing? They would look at the health and performance of auth server or is there any auth failures for Dinesh trying to authenticate? Is there a DNS server problem uh, getting to Salesforce or Salesforce itself is degraded? Uh, is there a routing issue? Or last but not the least, is there a security policy that is allowing or blocking access for Salesforce? Now, uh-huh. this is what I call as multiple domain analysis. So, from the ocean of data, we kind of extracted all the contextual data required to answer this question and be able to give verdicts. We will tell the help desk, yes, Dinesh is able to access, which means it could have been a temporary problem Dinesh encountered or no, Dinesh is not able to access. It's still a problem. Where is the problem? It's We completely moved away from textual playbook where help desk was doing ABCD to a data-driven outcome where either the outcome is help desk is now empowered to solve it. If they can't, they can still escalate, but data-driven. Which team to escalate? We can double-click on that. Is it an auth failure? I need to talk to my IAM admin. If it's a security policy blocking access, I need to forward it to security admin, et cetera. So um, less ambiguity, um, more data to be able to quickly deliver the outcome we want to get Dinesh back to accessing sales. Got it. Dinesh, I feel like we've gotten an excellent technical overview of the solution. Um, but I got to say, we talked to a lot of vendors here at Packet Pushers, and um, and a lot of what you said sounds familiar. We've kind of heard this story from a bunch of folks now. So help us understand what's what's different about your solution. What's different about Palo Alto Networks ADAM? So um, if you, if I remember one of the Packet Pushers podcast, we had Don from our team speak about Palo Alto Networks, a single platform uh, story. And what, why this all ties in is with single platform SASE solution, the three C's of data, we have complete, consistent, and correct data across your entire SASE portfolio, right? And this is a big differentiator for us from our uh, competition. 
right? Uh, Dinesh, I just want to call that out a little bit more. I think when you're saying a single solution, there are some sassy options where, you know, I've got SD-WAN from vendor A and I'm getting cloud-delivered security from vendor B um, and I can, you know, put them together. But you're saying because you're one single vendor doing the SD-WAN or the access and the security solutions, you are able to... Uh, uniformly uh, get the data and and put it together in a way that makes sense to you, which, you know, that that data differentiation may be more difficult when you're working with two different vendors. Is that the idea? Uh, absolutely. It's very hard to get. One of the challenges has been uh, uniformity of the data. How do I ingest and normalize the data? Right. What an IP address, simple example, uh, maybe a very basic one is IP address from vendor A means IP address, but from vendor B, does it also mean IP address? So somebody has to, and I'm just using that as an example, but imagine how do you make sense of the data if it's coming from different vendors, right? So it becomes very important to be able to deliver AI ops outcomes, the data, which is the source, uh, and, and the common phrase now you would hear in the industry is, uh, garbage in is garbage out. Of you course. could have excellent, excellent AI ML <clears throat> capabilities, but if the data is not clean, it's not complete, it's not consistent and correct, you're not going to get any good outcome, right? So that is one of the, the biggest differentiators for our solution, right? And, and a second, if you would ask me is, I think we highlighted it, we are natively embedded. You don't need to install new hardware software to get these outcomes. We are natively in, embedded within our SASE solution, right? So flick off a button or, or a license, if you would, all of a sudden, now you have all of these AI-powered ADEM capabilities uh, ready to go. Okay, so then I guess let's finish up very quickly. Then it sounds like we're we're getting here, but you know, can you sort of outline what Palo Alto sees as the benefits for customers with this ADEM and AI ops integration? Definitely. So based on all of what we discussed, if you see ROI of IT help desk is the first and foremost benefit, I would say, and, and it resonates with all of our customers um, because they do have a challenge with the return of investment on that help desk, uh, whether it's deflection of tickets. A reduced in escalation of tickets. Basically, we have empowered the help desk to be able to resolve and reduce. The second is network admins, AI ops. Think of instead of uh, five downtime, now they get one because I did the correlation. Mm -hmm. I've isolated the problem from the symptoms, right? So uh, that is a huge reduction in a load for a network admin where they are able to actually work on important problems rather than uh, sifting through noise. Um, and last but not the least, out-of-the-box capabilities for fast time to value, right? Um, so these are, I would say, like some of the most critical benefits. All of these leads to exceptional end-user experience for the end customers, right? That's what they care. Got it. Okay. So if folks want to find out more about uh, what Palo Alto Networks is doing with digital experience management, where should they go? Um, very simple. Simply go to our ADEM page on paloaltonetworks.com and you would get all the resources that you need to learn more about uh, our ADEM solution. All right. Uh, yeah, just go to paloaltonetworks.com, look for ADEM, A-D-E-M. Uh, Dinesh, thank you for being with us. It was a great conversation. Uh, and thank you, Palo Alto Networks, for uh, sponsoring us. Sponsors make it possible to do what we do. So uh, we appreciate that. And thank you to you for listening. Of course, we don't just want to sit here and talk to microphones uh, by ourselves. So we appreciate you giving us your time and attention. If you like this episode, there are many more fine, free technical podcasts and our community blog. It's all at packapushers.net. We also have a bunch of educational videos on our Packet Pushers YouTube channel. You can follow us on Twitter at Packet Pushers. Find us on LinkedIn, hear us on Spotify. And if you would, rate us on Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.